Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. Before you hear this powerful sermon, I want to encourage you to do two things. If this message blesses your life, take a moment to send it to someone else. Perhaps it's a coworker, a friend, a family member. And the second thing is, the Bible teaches us it is better to give than to receive. And this Christmas season, we have an opportunity to give back to our city and to love our city in a very tangible way. In fact, with that in mind, take a look at this powerful video. People are sometimes surprised to learn that hunger and food insecurity, while related, don't mean the same thing. Everyone experiences hunger because it's a physical sensation. I experience hunger, but not everyone is food insecure. Food insecurity is a condition. It's the lack of regular access to food. And families who live far from supermarkets and lack reliable access to transportation, they're particularly vulnerable. Hunger is a side effect of food insecurity. And it doesn't stop there. People who are food insecure are associated with a 257% higher risk of anxiety and depression. They're without hope. To most people, Miami is the ultimate vacation destination. It's not often associated with the word desert, so when I tell people that Miami-Dade County has over 300 food deserts, their eyes kind of bulge out of their heads. But that's our reality. There are thousands of people in Miami that don't even have a decent grocery store near them. So that's where this dream of launching a full-service mobile market was born. We already had a program that was very successful in providing food to children in our schools, but we knew we needed to do more. So we put it to prayer, and over the past year, we've just seen the Lord show up and show off. He has opened doors that we could have never imagined. In just three months, we've been able to completely transform our food storage warehouse to include adequate shelving, insulation, food prep stations, and soon we'll be adding a walk-in freezer, refrigerator, and adding the final touches. This warehouse is going to allow us to have a location where we can properly store food and stock the market to go out into the community. The incredible thing about this project is that we're going to be able to give new life to a decommissioned metro unit. Just earlier this month, our county commissioners voted to donate a 40-foot metro bus to Caring for Miami. And in the coming weeks, we're gonna be gutting it completely. We're gonna take it down to the studs and rebuild it to be a state-of-the-art grocery store with fresh produce, freezer space, and refrigerators everything that someone needs to have a dignified shopping experience. And then this spring, we're going to go out into the community, to these food deserts, to the same places at the same time every week so that people can rely on us, so that they can have access to healthy food, so that people can know that they're cared for, that we care for them, that God cares for them. Caring for Mammy is one of the few organizations across the country that is leading the way and being innovative. And the whole thing is supported through philanthropy and volunteers and through prayer. We have companies, foundations, individuals, and families who are stepping forward in generosity to initiate this movement because we can't do it alone. We are making a commitment together to the people of Miami-Dade County. And we're saying that on our watch, they don't have to worry about where their food will come from. We will come to them. Amen. How many of you believe that today? He receives the glory and the praise and the worship and the adoration. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's encourage our CF kids. They did an amazing job. Come on, let's give it up to them as loud as you can. 
And let's also take a moment and encourage all of our CF Kids directors from across all of our campuses and every single volunteer. Amen. We thank you. We really appreciate everything that you do every single weekend. They are investing in the next generation. Can we encourage them again? Come on. Well, we want to welcome you to Christ Fellowship. If you're a first-time guest, my name is Carlos, and I serve as the executive pastor here. And I want to take a moment and welcome all of our campuses, West Kendall, uh, Doral, Redland Campus, Coral Gables downtown. If you're watching us online, uh, thank you for joining us. Can we encourage the first-time guests? Yep. And uh, we are in the middle of the Christmas series that we've entitled The Songs of Christmas. And so this weekend, we're going to learn about the song of peace. Say with me, peace. Say it like you mean it, peace. So you guys ready? All right, you ready? All right, let's do it. So let's, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Luke chapter 2, verse 10. If you don't have your Bibles, um, God bless you. Uh, we're going to pray for you, but just kidding. All the verses are going to come up on the screen. And here's what the Word of God says. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And suddenly with, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now let's go to Philippians chapter 4 verse 7. This is the Apostle Paul writing this. And he says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, we can comprehend it, it transcends anything that we can think of, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that today? Come on, church family. Amen. Well, you can have a seat now at all of our campuses. And, you know, Christmas is about a week away. And I want to ask you a question, and I need some crowd participation, all right? So how many of you are done with all your Christmas shopping? Make some noise. Make some noise. All right. The, the overachievers over here. How many of you are like, you know, Carlos, I'm like the majority done. About 75% of the Christmas shopping is already done. How many of you are in that category? Make some noise. Okay. How many of you have not started? Oh, my goodness. Woo. You're in trouble. You better hurry up. Things are getting pretty crazy. Well, listen, this year, I decided to do something completely different. Because I'm like, you know what? I want to have some peace while I do Christmas shopping. So I did all my shopping online. You know, back in the days, things used to get really, really crazy when online was not even a thing. You know, remember the Nintendo, when that came out, uh, things got wild. If you are a little more on the old school in the 80s, uh, the Cabbage Patch Dolls. Do y'all remember that? Yeah. They, they were not too nice. They didn't look too good. But people would get crazy over them. In fact, take a look at this video. And y'all baby boomers complain about millennials. Y'all were, y'all were a little crazy too. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so this year, I decided to do all my shopping online. And so it was so, so peaceful because I had my Yeti, 
my coffee inside the Yeti, and I went on my laptop, and I'm like, I'm not going to deal with dayland parking. I'm not going to deal with rude customer service. I'm not going to deal with long lines. So on Cyber Monday, I get on my laptop, and I'm there going away. And in about an hour, all my shopping is done. And I'm like, praise God, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. Things are amazing. God is with me. He is for me, the favor of the Lord. A week later comes, and I receive uh, some of the things that I purchased, and I'm missing two items. And so I told Shawnee, because she's a pro at shopping online. I'm a little old school. I love going on-site. I like going to the place. She's like, babe, babe, don't you worry with your sweet little voice. Baby, 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 don't you worry. You know, uh, that happens sometimes. Sometimes you'll receive one gift and then one item, and then later on they'll send you the other one, and they'll send you the other one. I'm like, baby, this is why I don't shop online. And so a week passes by. I'm still not receiving what I have purchased, and then I go on the website, and it says that it has been delivered. It says it has been delivered. And so it, I'm all confused, and, and I call, I, I, I don't call, but I actually go to the FedEx store right by this campus. There's a long line. I go to the manager. The manager tells me, sir, there's, there isn't anything that we can do. You have to call our 1-800 number. I call the 1-800 number, and that guy's like, listen, that package has been delivered after waiting in line for like about 20 minutes and talking to someone who is across the other side of the world. He tells me there is nothing that can be done. And so you have to call the retail store that you made the purchase from. And so I call the retail store. I call the local store. They tell me, sir, you got to call the 1-800 number. I call the 1-800 number. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for about 25 minutes. Finally, someone speaks to me and is able to send me again the things that I purchased. But here's the thing. Back in the days, it was not a peaceful experience, as you saw in the video, of buying, doing Christmas shopping because of all the chaos that happens in the store and people going crazy. But now you would think that online would be a lot better. But it's not sometimes. Because sometimes you buy something and you don't receive it. Sometimes you buy something and you don't like it, so you still have to go to the store. Sometimes you buy something and it doesn't fit you. The small is too small. The medium is too large. You need a medium. And so you, you, don't, you don't even know what to buy. <laughs> And so I'm just trying to have a peaceful shopping experience. Church family, do not miss the point on this. Because my peace was contingent on how my shopping experience went. If my shopping experience went really well, then I experienced peace. If my shopping experience did not go really well, then I no longer had peace. And isn't that an image of how many people live their lives? When things go well, you experience the peace of God. When you get the promotion, you experience the peace of God. When your marriage is thriving, you experience the peace of God. When your business is lucrative and you are expanding your business, you experience the peace of God. But what happens when your marriage is not thriving? What happens when things aren't going well? What happens when you're about to lose your business? Do you have sustainable peace? And who knows, maybe you're here today and you're like, Pastor Carlos, that is me. I'm exasperated. I'm burdened. I, I'm overwhelmed by the things of this world. And this here has been very challenging for me. And I can't seem to experience sustainable peace. So how is it? 
that I experience this long-lasting, continuous peace. Well, we're going to find out today as we go uh, through this passage in Luke chapter 2. And so we love uh, to take notes here. I want to encourage you to take out your listening guide, your app, and make sure that you're taking some notes for today. And so this is the first point that I want you to write down. See, the message of Christmas is a message of peace. Now, let's go back to the narrative in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and look at what it says. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by nights. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, let's stop right there, because many of us know this narrative probably pretty well. But sometimes we miss some of the facts and some of the things that are taking place in the narrative that the Bible uh, is teaching us. And so the shepherds, uh, some of you may know this, some of you may not know, but the shepherds were actually uh, these people that were looked upon like low-class citizens. Uh, Shepherds were unreliable people. They were dishonest people. They were unskilled. They were uneducated. And they were so unreliable that they could not testify in the courts system back in those days, back in biblical times, because they did not believe any statement that they would share. Not only that, they were not religious people because shepherds had to attend flock, the flock 24-7. They were viewed as unclean, and so they could not go to the temple courts because they did not meet the standard of the ceremonial law. Now, think about this for a moment. When the angel of the Lord makes the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, uh, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning of the end, the one who holds all things together, he makes the announcement to shepherds. Think about that for a moment. To unreliable, irreligious people, people that didn't have it all together, very looked down upon people, uh, dysfunctional in, in some regards. He makes the announcement to shepherds. Why? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down as your next point. See, the message of Christmas, the message of the gospel is for all people. Say it with me, all. Say it like you mean it, all. Look at what that passage says in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. See, notice how the angel of the Lord, he doesn't appear to King Herod, who was the king of Israel in that time, in his palace. He doesn't appear in Rome, which was the capital of the world in that time. He doesn't appear to the high priest in the holies of holies, in the temple chambers. He doesn't appear to the Pharisees who were known as the most religious people. They were the spiritually elite people. Uh, they knew the Old Testament really well, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the, of the Old Testament. They knew it by memory. He doesn't appear to the zealots who were the nationalists of, the, of, that, of that day. He doesn't appear to the Sadducees who are very wealthy, influential people, the aristocrats of that time in, in biblical times. He doesn't appear to the zealots, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He appears to the shepherds. Why? God does not show any partiality. 
It doesn't matter how far away you feel from God. It doesn't matter if you feel alienated from God. It doesn't matter if your life is a mess and you feel like you are dysfunctional and you don't have it all together. God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins, not only to forgive you from your past, present, but also future sins. That is the message of the gospel. How many of you believe that today? Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. Listen. If your life is a mess, mess is in his name. Messiah. Yeah. He doesn't want the Instagram version of you. He doesn't want that filtered version of you. He wants you just as you are. That is the good news of the gospel. That is the message of hope and peace and love and forgiveness. You can give Jesus a loud shout of praise. So the announcement is not done to the Pharisees, it's not done to the Zealots, it's not done to the Sadducees, it's done to the shepherds. And then the angel, the Lord, look, look, this is, this is amazing because he says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, if you're taking notes, the kind of peace that the angel of the Lord is describing here, it's actually salvation peace salvation peace. Because if you have your Bibles, it says peace on earth, not peace from earth, peace on earth from, 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 high, from above, to those whom he is pleased. So who is God pleased with? He's pleased with his children. He's pleased with his sons and his daughters, those who've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, those who've confessed their sins to God and have repented from their sins. You see, this is simple theology, but it's also profound as well. We are not born at peace with God. We're not. The Bible says that we are in hostility with God. We are enemies. We're not friends with God when we are born because of our sin. God is holy. God is perfect. We are sin sinful. We're flawed people. We are not holy. We're not perfect. And so because of that, there is a division between us and God. I laugh when people, when a, 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 a baby is born, people will say, ah, oh, she's so perfect. He's so perfect. Really? You want him for a night? <laughs> Listen, all babies are beautiful. We love them. But we're born sinners. We are sinful people. And because of sin, we, that separates us between God. And here's the thing. Religion says we need to try harder to get to God. Religion says that we need to do certain traditions to get to God. Religion says that we need to pray a certain amount of times to get to God. Religion says that we need to pray to someone in order to get to God, to get to Jesus. And that's not the gospel. Religion says we have to do all these things to get to God. The gospel is that God comes to us. That's the message of Christmas. God with us. God comes to us, to our mess, to our sinful world, so that we can have a relationship with God. You know, one of the things, I, I love uh, Christmas decorations. And, uh, and, and Shawnee and I, every year, we, we buy a real Christmas tree. 
Shawnee's trying to convince me to buy a, a, a fake one so that we can always have it and we don't have to buy a real one. But I'm a, I, I love the real Christmas trees. So how many of you like real Christmas trees? Yeah, make some noise. How many of you like the fake Christmas trees? Make some noise. All right, boo. Boo. Y'all need Jesus. So we'll pray for you. <laughs> so we, we have a family tradition that we always go by as a family. We buy the Christmas tree. We go to this place. And then, uh, but, but here's the thing. I love, I love Christmas decorations. But I'm just, I'm just going to say it how it is. I don't like to decorate Christmas trees. I, I don't. I help out Shawnee a little bit, but she does a lot of it. So what I do is I prepare the hot chocolate. I get the cookies ready. I put the music on because I'm all about experience. And I order some pizza. I get it all ready. But Shawnee, you, you know, she, she, she decorates the Christmas tree. And, she, and usually when you decorate Christmas trees, you usually start in, in the bottom, right? You start putting the, the, the lights in the bottom. But in every Christmas tree, if you buy a Christmas tree that it's about seven to eight foot uh, in height, in order for you to make it to the top and put the star, you, you need a ladder, right? So in order to make it to the top, you, you need a ladder. And let me see if this is going to work here. Boom. Yeah. Production team is amazing. Come on. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, it doesn't matter how good you are at decorating Christmas trees. You, you can't reach it on your own. It doesn't matter if you have a, a lucrative business about decorating for Christmas. It doesn't matter if you've had a lot of experience decorating Christmas trees. It doesn't matter if you have a PhD in decorating Christmas trees. That doesn't make any sense. You can't reach the top unless you have a ladder. And that is the message of the gospel we can't reach God in our own skills. We can't reach God in our own abilities. We can't reach God in our own merits and deeds or by being a good person and just coming to church or just praying a prayer or just tradition. The only way that we can reach God is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is that ladder. And because Jesus loves you so much, he came down to be with us. And that is the message of the gospel. That is the message of Christmas. How many of you believe that today? Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. We can't reach God in our own effort. And so what the angels are talking about here is salvation peace. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is how we can experience peace with God is by trusting in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, like, Pastor Carlos, I'm, I'm tracking with you, and I get you, and I know that already, but how do I experience sustainable peace? I know that if I trust in, in Jesus Christ, I have peace with God, but how do I experience this continuous, uh, long-lasting peace in my life? Well, we're going to get into some practical stuff, but I, I want you to write this down as your next point, because God wants you to experience sustainable peace. But I'm going to take us to the Old Testament. This is the prophet Isaiah. And this is about 735 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And the prophet Isaiah is prophesying and giving all these promises uh, to the nation of Israel. And look at what he says. For to us a child is born, and his name shall be called Prince of Peace. Now, when we think of the word peace, what is it that comes to our minds? What are the thoughts that we think of? What, 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 what do we 
What, what do we depict in our mind? What, what kind of illustration do we have when we think of the word peace? We think of a trouble-free life, a life of ease and convenience, perhaps being in the mountains, the Rocky Mountains in Colorado and seeing the, the river stream and uh, it's all peaceful and quiet and you can't get reception, so you can't get on, on social media or no one can call you or bother you. You can't get your emails you think of peace. You think of a troubled-free life, a, a, a perfect utopia. See, that, was, that ended in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. And so in order for you to know how to have sustainable peace, you have to have a really a proper theology on the word peace. Because we told you many times that the Old Testament was first read in Hebrew and then translated into other languages. And that word in the Old Testament is the word shalom. I love that word. Say it with me, shalom. shalom. Say it like you mean it, shalom. shalom. And that word, shalom, means complete. It means fullness. It means to be restored. It means to not be lacking anything. And back in the Old Testament, whenever there was a stone and it had no gaps, they would say that stone is shalom. In the Old Testament cities, they would have these walls around them to protect them from enemies. Whenever there was a wall and it had no, no gaps between the, 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 in the wall and it was perfect, they would say that that wall was shalom. In Job chapter 5, verse 24, Job looked at his tents and they were filled with food, not lacking anything. And Job says, those tents are shalom. Uh, Solomon, when he built the first temple in Jerusalem, he says that temple is shalom. It's not lacking anything. You see, Jesus is the prince of peace. He's the prince of shalom. He's the prince of peace, not the prince of ease. He's not the prince of convenience. He's not the prince of trouble-free life, but rather he is the prince of shalom. So what does that mean? See, the peace of God is not the absence of problems, but rather the presence of God that gets you through your problems. Let me say that again because some people missed it, so I'm going to repeat myself. The peace of God is not the absence of problems, but rather the presence of God that gets you through your problems. When Jesus was born in Luke chapter 1, verse 79, he says, I am going to guide you in the path of peace. I'm going to guide you in the path of Shalom. Right when he was born, that's what the angel said. Before Jesus is about to die on the cross in John chapter 16, verse 33, he looks at his disciples and he says, listen, listen, listen. In this world, you're going to have some troubles. You're going to have some challenges. You're going to face some difficult moments. You're going to face some adversity. But here's what I want you to know. Here's the good news. Because I'm with you, because I'm for you, take heart because I have overcome the world. After the resurrection in John chapter 20, he looks at his disciples. He stands among them. In 2019, he says, peace be with you. Look at that. Right before the birth of Jesus, he's talking about peace. Right before he's about to die on the cross, he's talking about peace. And then afterwards, after the resurrection, he's talking about peace. It's not the absence of problems. It's not the absence of troubles. It's not the absence of hostility or conflict or animosity. It's the presence of God who is with you 
wherever you go. Now, you may be thinking, Carlos, I, I get you. I'm tracking with you, and I'm with you all the way. But in a practic practical sense, sense, how can I feel that sustainable peace? Well, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because this is so important. This is going to change people's lives today. In order to experience sustainable peace, you need to let go of perfectionism. You need to let go of perfectionism. Listen, the reason why oftentimes we, are, we don't experience peace is because we are expecting perfection. And the enemy of our peace, many times, is not other people, is not our current situation, It's not our current circumstance. It's not the pace that we're running in. Oftentimes, the enemy of our peace is the insistence that we have on perfection. When you are a perfectionist, all you do is see all the missing pieces that take away your peace. When you're a perfectionist, all you do is see all the missing pieces. You don't have peace because all you're doing is seeing all the missing pieces that take away your peace. Think about this for a moment. The birth of Jesus Christ, the setting, was far from perfect. Let's insert ourselves in the, in the narrative in Luke chapter 2. The angel of the Lord makes the announcement to shepherds. Shepherds. Mary was a teenage girl, 14 years old. Joseph wanted to divorce her quietly, the Bible says. Jesus was born in a manger. Many believe it was a horse stable. Some believe it wasn't in a cold night in Bethlehem. All this is happening. That's far from perfect. It is the worst nightmare for a perfectionist. Perfect would have been that Jesus was born in the Ritz-Carlton, right in the heart of the city of Rome, penthouse with a balcony, amazing view, awesome views, and Mary is surrounded by five different midwives. Mary, what do you want? How can we help you? Here's a mimosa. Can I massage your neck? Right here, you're a little tense. Right here, I feel the tension right now. Let me put a little bit of frankincense over you. Let me put uh, some lavender. What's another essential oil? Just say it. Just scream it out. What's a good one? Eucalyptus. Let me put a little bit of eucalyptus on you. Oh, Mary, you're going to get a Manny and Petty now. And Joseph is hanging out, drinking the best wine with the best organic pita bread, watching the World Cup. My love, how can I help you? And then Jesus Christ comes out. The Son of Man, the Son of God the anointed one, the wonderful counselor, prince of peace. <sighs> Give me his onesie. And it says JC on it. Armani brand, Gucci brand. I can go all day with this. And then they have the best photographers and videographers with cinematic cameras better than those. And just, oh, we're going to take those newborn pictures and we're going to make it really nice. And this is going to go out to all Jerusalem. That reel is going to get a million views. Come on, somebody. Here you go, Jesus. No! It wasn't like that. It was far from perfect. Perfection ended in the garden. 
The reason why sometimes we don't experience peace is because we are expecting perfection. And this is going to liberate some people. Stop trying to be a perfect mom. Stop trying to be a perfect father. Stop trying to be a perfect wife. Stop trying to be a perfect husband. Stop trying to be a perfect son. Stop trying to be a perfect daughter. Instead, strive to be a godly mother. Strive to be a godly father. Strive to be a godly son. Strive to be a godly daughter. Strive to be a godly businessman. Strive to be a godly employee. God has not called us to perfection. He's called us for holiness. Oftentimes people will tell me, oh, Pastor Carlos, you and Shani, you so cute. You so perfect. No, we're not perfect, but we're godly and we strive for that. And so what God is calling you is let go of this obsession of perfectionism because it is taking away your peace. If the kahachina gets a little dry, the, the pork in there, it's all good. If the Christmas party doesn't come out exactly like you wanted, it's all good. If the Christmas cards don't come out exactly like you wanted, it's all good. You need to let it go. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody today. Tell the person next to you, you need to let it go. Don't let go of him. <laughs> let it go. Don't be letting go. I'm going to let you go. No, 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 no. Let you, tell the other person next to you, you need to let it go. Because perfectionism is what takes away our peace. Here's the next point that I want you to write down. You got to make a choice to rejoice. You got to make a choice to rejoice. Look at what Philippians 4 verse, verse 4 says. The Apostle Paul is writing, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. The Apostle Paul is writing the same thing over and over. He's saying the same thing because he really wants his audience. He wants us. God is inspiring him and he wants us to really get it. Notice how he says rejoice. He doesn't say be happy. See, happiness depends on what's happening. If things are well, then you're happy. And you can't control the circumstances oftentimes. You can't control the outer uh, factors and the things that are happening. But what you could control is how you respond to the problems that you face. Listen, every single problem that you have, how many of you have problems in here? Raise your hands. And if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying, so that's a problem. That was a part of the message. That was just at the moment. So I was added in. Sometimes I do that. And so, but listen, every problem that you have, it is an opportunity for God to do something in you and through you. Think about this. Every miracle that Jesus did when he walked on earth, it started with a problem. Jesus wasn't just doing miracles to do miracles. I'm going to levitate you, uh, Peter, John. Check out what I can do. I can fly. He wasn't doing that. No. John chapter 5, man had been paralyzed almost his entire, his entire life. Problem. What does Jesus do? Heals him. God did some, a miracle. Started with a problem. John chapter 6, 5,000 people were hungry. Problem. What does Jesus do? Gets a little boy's lunchbox, feeds the multitude. The miracle of provision. John chapter 11, Mary and Martha come to him. Oh, oh the, 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 the one that you loved, your friend, the one that you hung out so much with, he's part of your inner circle. He is now dead. Problem. He uh, resuscitates him. He's resurrected afterwards. 
Every time that there is a problem, it is an opportunity for God to do something in you and through you. If you didn't have any problems, how can God ever demonstrate his power? Can't. It's a problem. So when you understand that, you, have, you, you make the choice every single day to rejoice. And here, here's the next point, and this is so important. Godly thinking. Godly thinking. It always begins in the mind. The enemy is always going to try to attack your mind. And look at what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, that same passage about peace of God, and we read it earlier. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And look what it says now. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now it says to think about what? Think about whatever's true. Think about whatever's noble. Think about whatever's commendable, whatever's amiable, whatever's pure, whatever's holy, whatever's right, whatever's good. Not think about what is toxic. Not think about what is urgent. Not think about the betrayal. Not think about the issue that you have at work or the situation that you have back at home until allow that to consume you. Not think about all the thoughts that you tell yourself. Scientists say that we think about 70,000 thoughts every single day. What are you thinking about? Are they godly thoughts? Are they noble thoughts? Are they true thoughts? Admirable, holy, pure? Commendable, righteous, or are they toxic and you tell yourself, I'm not good enough. If only they knew the things that I've done in the past, they would not respect me at church. If only they knew what I've done, God, God they, they would not love me. They would not embrace me. What are you thinking about? See, in order for you to have sustainable peace in your life, let go of perfectionism. Make the choice to rejoice and have godly thinking. You know, I've shared an illustration similar to this several years ago, but I want to give it a different perspective. And many of you may know that when I started in ministry, I actually started by playing the piano. And it was 13 years ago. I've been on staff here at Christ Fellowship, and I started in, in the worship team. And when I started playing the piano at the age of 16, uh, one of the things that they taught me is that there's a thing called staccato notes. And with the staccato note, it is a very fast, uh, detached, very choppy note that you play. And oftentimes, it doesn't even make sense. It's, it's not cohesive. It doesn't have a pattern. It's, it, does, it doesn't even have a, a flow. And so it, it sounds something, something like this, like, like that. Just a, a, a fast, quick note, like something like that. And, and, and I think oftentimes, as believers... We have a staccato type of piece. We, we come to church and the band did amazing. They, they killed it. And I felt the Lord in a powerful way. I felt the peace of God in right there. But when we leave church, we no longer feel peace. 
We, we serve in, in a ministry and we love the people that we serve with. And it feels amazing. We go to small group, our men's group, our women's group, and they hold us accountable and they encourage us. And peace at that moment. But, but then it goes away. Our children, finally, all three of them are decided to behave well. None of them are misbehaving. They're all listening and paying attention and doing everything that we tell them to. So praise God, that's a peace for a while. That's a good peace. Praise God for that. Uh, we got a job promotion, and, and then I, 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 I felt, felt, felt the peace of the Lord. But, but it's, a, it's a peace that you have it for a moment. It's a temporary peace, but then it, it, it's fleeting. It, it goes away. See, follower of Jesus, God did not die on the cross for us to have staccato peace. But he died on the cross and resurrected from the grave for us to have sustaining peace. And in every keyboard, in every piano, there's a thing on the floor called the sustaining pedal. And when you play piano, you have to know how to properly use the sustaining pedal because the sustaining pedal is going to just sustain the note for you. And you can just let go. Right now, that note, you can hear it and they can hear it online and it can be heard at, at our other campuses. And you can just let go and the note is still going on. And so that's the kind of peace that God wants you to have that even when things at home are not what you expected them to be and your marriage is struggling and you feel like your room is always a battlefield and you and your husband and wife are never on the same page and you're always arguing and you're always at it and you're never on the same page and, and, and you've tossed the, the word divorce and, and, and all these things and you can still experience the peace of God. Because you know that he is the source of your comfort and your strength and he is the source of your fortress and you know that he's never left you or forsaken you. Even when you don't get the job promotion and, and, and maybe you didn't receive a bonus and your coworker received the bonus and they're not believers and you've been working in this job much longer than they have and you deserve the bonus but you didn't, didn't receive the bonus, you can still have peace because you know that he's always going to provide for every single one of your needs. If he was faithful in the past, he's going to be faithful in the future. He's always going to be there for you. Maybe your physical health is, has some limitations and you're struggling and, and you don't have the health that you used to have and other people are really healthy and you're like, God, why am I dealing with this physically? You can still have peace because you know that God can heal you, and if he doesn't heal you, he will eventually heal you when you are in the presence of the Lord. You can have sustaining peace. How many of you believe that today? Come on and give Jesus a shout of praise. And so you don't have to live anxious or worried or depressed or filled with anxiety because there are moments that we will have anxious moments and moments of fear, but there's a difference between having moments of fear than living a life of fear. And that's not the life that God wants for you. God wants you to have sustaining peace. Do you believe that today, church family? Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. Give him a loud shout of praise.
you to bow your head and close your eyes and perhaps maybe when you sang that song maybe as we were saying about being a child of God maybe you're like Carlos I I can't sing that because I'm not God's child and I'm so far away from God and I can't I've never trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior my friend I want to remind you today that the Bible says that every single one of us we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and only through Jesus Christ we can have an everlasting relationship with God doesn't matter how far away you feel from the Lord. He wants to embrace you. He wants to welcome you with open arms. Today, a week before Christmas Day, 
you have an opportunity to make the best decision that you can ever make in your life. With no one looking in this room, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're like, Pastor Carlos, that, that is me. I want to make that decision to follow Jesus today. With no one looking in this room, I want to take a moment and I want to pray for you. If you're like, Carlos, I, that message was for me. I, I am filled with worry and anxiety and I'm overwhelmed in life and I need the peace of God and I need to make it right with God. With no one looking in this room, right at this very moment, would you just take a moment right now and lift up your hand as high as you can with no one looking in this room. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, man. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. God bless you. Your life will never be the same back there. God bless you. Tons of hands being lifted. Come on, yeah. There where you are, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but rather the condition of your heart. And God wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants it all. Father God, I just come before you. We come before you. And we recognize that we are sinners in need of saving. Jesus, I believe that you died. You were buried and you were raised from the grave. And Jesus, I ask you to be my best friend, to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Today, I repent from my sins. I turn away from my old life and I run to you today. Thank you, Jesus. Write my name in the book of life. From this day forward, I will live for you and you alone. Thank you, Jesus, because through you, I can have peace with God and the peace of God. And the God of peace will always be with me. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen.